Welcome to another episode of the Dentology podcast where we discuss the business of dentistry. In this podcast series we'll be discussing all the non-clinical aspects of dentistry from goodwill values, finance, marketing, how to buy and sell a dental practice mindset through to where you can invest your money in team management issues. My name is Andy Acton and I'm joined by my co-host Chris Trevens. Let's jump straight into it. Welcome to our latest episode of Dentology, the Business of Dentistry podcast. And today we're joined by Dr. Jazz Gill. And Jazz has a long list of things that he's involved with, which include being a dentist. He's also a practice owner, entrepreneur, lecturer, and a good friend of Chris and ours. We've known Jazz for many years. So welcome, Jazz. How are you doing? I am doing absolutely fantastic. It's a yeah, pleasure good, to be here. Good to Thank see you. you. Thank you for Thank coming you on. I really appreciate it. No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. As I said in my, my introduction, we, we have known one another for, for many years. We've done business together. We've, we've been out on social events together, and, and that's all great. But something that, uh, that I don't really know the answer to and where I'd like to start is, is what was jazz like as a kid? Now, when you were when you were young, before dentistry had even entered into your mind, what was shorter, it? I assume. I was going to say, yeah. I say for those of you who haven't met Jazz, he's quite tall. Yeah. So yeah, how did life yeah. start out for you? Um, yeah, so I'm, I am six foot four now, but I obviously started off a, a little bit shorter. Uh, my mum tells me that when I was born, I was uh, ten pounds. I was I was a ten pounder, so I was quite a quite a big baby. Oh, so as you well. started a fair size, yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely, and uh, very very mischievous. And I don't think nothing much has changed um, since I was a child to, to where I am now. But I um, sort of grew up in a, a multicultural town uh, called Southall. You may have you may have heard of it. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. there is some amazing. Yeah, amazing curries over there, wonderful restaurants. And so I grew up with some fantastic food, fantastic flavors as well. And I was the youngest of three. So we've got two older brothers. Uh, one of my older brothers is, is a dentist, he's retired now. And uh, but that's how I sort of got into the path of dentistry because he's five years older than me. So when I was sort of applying in uh, in second year of A-level, he was sort of in his uh, final year at that time. And uh, he he talked about the career, the, the whole pathway, the, the university and he goes this is a real great career to sort of go into I was more sort of into medicine at that time uh, but then he sort of talked me into dentistry I'm glad I'm glad I did I haven't I haven't looked back at all uh, I had very strict parents uh, working class uh, it was one of those classic situations if I got a B it was it was a failure um, so there was no choice uh, but to be the, the top of the class that's been instilled in me since, you know, and it's sort of become the norm. I remember when I sort of came home with my uh, A-level results, like I got a two, um, two Bs and a C, and uh, that was enough to get into university, get into King's. I was at King's uh, Dental School, uh, but my parents were so disappointed uh, in me. Uh, they sort of said things like, um, you know, with what face are we faced the neighborhood? You have brought shame to the family name. <laughs> you brought shame on the family. I take it from this family. Exactly. I, it was. It was. It was like I thought. I'm like, God. What have I done? You know, this is this is terrible. I felt really bad when I saw those grades, and it was like my mum was is very dramatical. It was like, why didn't God take me from this earth before seeing this day? So you know, it was very very. <laughs> this is this is I'm sounding sure like a comedy sketch, a, Jazz. This is sounding like you should be putting this into a sketch. <laughs> I should, I should just start doing stand-up, shouldn't I? But this is so true. This is, and I'm sure a lot of uh, uh, my colleagues, they can relate to that. And they're there, and their parents are probably exactly the same way. If you don't <laughs> get an A, it's, it's, it's a failure. You're failed. 
And because they have to go and talk to their friends outside in the community. And wow. if one of their friends says, oh, my son got an A, and then they're, they're seen as, oh, you only got a B. That's just, that's just not good enough. So there's all this competition going on in the, in the, in the community, especially being brought up in Southall. I presume and, uh, now, Jazz, My mum was fresh. She was very dramatic. <laughs> I, so I presume now, though, Jazz, you've managed to recover the lost disappointment from your parents now. <laughs> Oh, I, I can never be good enough. I can never be good enough for my parents. <laughs> I always have you're to do still, it. You're still a disappointment. <laughs> and what's your, what's your, that is brilliant. So obviously your brother of five years older, um, you know, kind of uh, suggested it to you, you know, showed the, the bright lights and, and you follow, which were, are there, are there other family connections in dentistry or did your, your brother kind of start that as a, as a path for the family? Um, yeah, that's a great question. My brother, uh, two brothers, one's an engineer and the other one's, as I said, is the dentist. Yeah. So I sort of couldn't disappoint. So my career was almost sort of chosen for me. And uh, like I said, I don't regret it. You have a few options in the sort of Asian community being brought up in Southall. The doctor, a dentist, a lawyer, an accountant, or an engineer. So you've got these options and that's it. You can't really become anything else. So that's, And you have to become one of those. Right. Now I know things are a little bit different. I've got two children now. I say to them, do whatever you want to do. And I try and talk them out of it, but both of them want to do dentistry. They don't listen to me. I want my daughter studying for dentistry at the moment, and my son is doing a level. He wants to do dentistry oh, as well. well. That's interesting. But I still believe that... Um, yeah, yeah. And now I'm the other way around. I talk them out of it, you see. But they, they, they don't listen to me. They, they see, they, they sort of, I think they see my lifestyle and they say, we want to be like you. I was going to say, like in many cushy, ways, Jazz, it's... They uh, don't see it's the, a- I think it's a compliment to how how things have worked out for you. You know, dentistry has been been good to you, and mm. you've been good to dentistry. So they're looking at you and saying, "Well, life's been good for Dad. Therefore, what what, what yeah, it can be it can be good for us." So yeah, in, in many ways, I, I see yeah, it as almost a compliment so. in yeah. terms of th- how it's turned out for you. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I do still believe that when you study at uni, it's just like a stepping stone to sort of bigger and better things. I mean, I, I really love dentistry, but my real passion is uh, teaching and public speaking. For me, that's what's electric. That's what's really uh, sort of gets me out of bed in the morning, wakes me up. I find I also find the whole business aspect of running a surgery much more stimulating. Mm-hmm. Um, I f- always feel more time should be spent on the business as opposed uh, on the business as opposed to in the business. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do more of now. And I yeah. find that that's making things much more efficient. And I, think, and I enjoy that side of it. Yeah, and we've had conversations Go before uh, between ourselves as well, where we say that. The business side of dentistry is so important and understandably it doesn't feature in dental school because that's a clinical program but the reality is if you don't understand the core components of business and how it all kind of interlocks together you're going to have a really rough time as a principal Mm. and you've invested in yourself and you've done learning and you understand it but for lots of people they find that the most challenging part of of a dental practice they they're well trained for the clinical bit and that's all fine but everything else just becomes quite a burden because they're just not equipped to deal with that side of things and it does go back to dental school can i just ask a question jazz about about you have you always been because i've only ever met you when you've been very uh, as in you're always very front foot you're very uh, affable you're you're happy to to, you know talk to anybody talk from the front uh, uh, entertaining have you always been like that or or has that sort of developed in you as you've got older 
that is definitely developed. I've not always been like this at all. Um, for the when I, when I first qualified, um, I was an associate. I was an associate in South Holland, and again, a multicultural mega NHS practice. And I just did NHS dentistry for about ten years. I was very quiet. I was very humble, and I probably would have just carried on staying there. Mm. But and just been, been happy to be an associate there. But then I moved away from South. I got married, moved out, and I moved uh, to where I am now in um, in in uh, Farnham Royal, which is just outside Slough, and uh, got my own practice here. It's when I got my own practice and then you start being exposed to running a, running your own business. And that's when things change because you're not just an associate, you're not working for someone else, you're running your own business. And that's when it got a little bit harder. I think, okay, I need to understand the business side of things. Mm-hmm. And it didn't happen straight away. I got my first practice in uh, 2005, just before the new contract. And I probably started getting into and investing time more in the business side of things and educating myself more in that, probably around about 2015, so 10 years later. Oh, wow. uh, so first it was just getting the practice and settling uh, in and making sure that, that, that basically making ends meet and getting a little bit into the teaching side of things, which is what I did then. Mm. And But then I thought, okay, I want to get this to be a little bit more profitable and get into the business side of things. And if I want to juggle dentistry and teaching, I need to step back a little bit. And that's where the business school helped me a lot. And I did a lot of business courses and that's what made the difference to where I am now, where I can step away from the clinical dentistry a lot more and do uh, basically do what I want to do now. Right. So I can do the, more of the dentistry that I want to do and I can do the things that I want to do, which is, which is teaching, I, which is what I'd love to do the most. Can I ask you another question? On the, so so um, 2005, and obviously, as we know, contracts came out. When you purchased... Did you know that there was going to be a new contract or was it all a bit of a shock that you'd, you'd, you know, you purchased a practice based on items of service and then suddenly it was like a contract. It was like, oh, or did you know that there was going to be a, a fixed value contract before you purchased? Yes, I knew that there was going to be, uh, because there was talk of it about a few years before, and so I knew I purchased in October 2005, the new contract came right. in 2006, so I knew at that time, and all my colleagues were saying at that time, why on earth are you getting a practice now, practice prices are going to plummet, you're crazy buying this practice, and I was working as an associate in, in Southall, and I still didn't leave that position, so I still carried on working there two days a week, and I worked there 12 hours a day, two days a week, wow. and then I worked in my, my own practice three days a week, so yeah. I still had my my sort of, sort of feet in, in two boats. Once I realized that my own practice is doing great, it's doing fantastic, things are working, that's six months later, that's when I left that practice then, wow. uh, because I still wasn't sure is it, all, is it actually all going to work? But then, uh, as we know, the rest of the history, prices of practices have, have rocketed since yeah, yeah, then. Yeah. And uh, what they are, and my practice is probably worth five or six times the actual price that I've actually paid for it now. And uh, then since, since that time, I bought two, I bought and sold two other practices, well, three yourselves. And it's been, it's, an, it's been an amazing journey. It really, really has. Now what I'm trying to do is cut back. Before it was like, let's get loads of practices. <laughs> and now what I'm trying to do is cut back so much. So I don't want to be so busy. And I want to spend that time on how I choose to spend it. Mm-hmm. And what I love doing is teaching and sharing that knowledge that I've acquired and sharing that with my colleagues. Because I see so many people going through 
through the same problems that mm. I went through. And I've been through that journey. And what I want to do now is I want to share that and solve those problems and, and, and help those people because and, I know I've been through the same journey. And, and Jazz, you were saying that you did amount of kind of business courses and business learning to understand more about business and, and how to manage your own time. But you're a busy guy because you have your own practice, you run your own courses, mm. uh, you lecture for other people, you work with Smile Fast, you have a family mm-hmm. and a bunch of other stuff. So did you get to a point where all of that became so consuming that you needed to go on the business courses to learn how to better manage your time? Or did you mm-hmm. go on the courses that then enabled you to do so much stuff? Which, which, which mm-hmm. way around was it? It was a, it was a, it was more of the former. I had, I had so much going on and I thought this is, this isn't actually working. Mm. I can't do this and there's not enough time. I used to be sitting in this study till 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, um, seven days a week and doing the clinical dentistry, managing everything, juggling everything. And I know lots of other dentists in that position. Mm. And I'm thinking, you don't want to be in that place where you're working in family time in the evenings and on the weekends. It's not really family time if you're in a study or in your office or in the <laughs> surgery working. You can't really call that family time anymore. Um, so I, the, the secret is to manage your time rather than letting time manage you. People always say there isn't enough time in the day to do everything or that or the gym regularly or basically do what they want to do. Um, but look at their time spent per day on the socials and it will tell you a totally different story. Um, mm. It's easy to make excuses or place blame or deny that there is ever a problem. So I use something called a default diary split into 30-minute slots where I know what I am doing every day of the week before it even starts. Uh, it's always filled by, by filled in first by my plan to hit my quarterly goals. Then the remaining space patients and going down to the lower priority tasks. So, for example, one goal by the end of the year is to uh, go to the gym is to bench 100 kg. I'm at 80 kg at the moment. So I go to the gym every day weekday morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. without fail. And that's in my diary at the beginning of the week. So I haven't got an excuse to say to myself, oh, I haven't got time to go to the gym because that's already slotted into my diary. So it's never missed that way. And it's simply really, once you are consistent and motivated, it becomes, the the tasks become so simple. And when you start seeing the results, you think, hey, I'm going to start doing more of this because this stuff actually works. It's just simply doing the same thing consistently and you end up with hitting hitting your targets, hitting your goals. And don't always, don't forget to have an end time in your diary. You don't want to be working, like I said, till 10 p.m. That's family time. That's absolutely vital. So my end time, usually, it used to be six o'clock. Now I've moved it back to five o'clock. So like after this, five o'clock, like I said, I'm going to my mom's house. So that's my, my I switch off from work at that time. Mm. And that's important to have that family time uh, because time is limited that's mm. the key mm. thing to remember I think you're more effective I think the problem is if you're not careful your what you do expands to fit the time oh, you've got doesn't completely. it unless you've closed it down and then you think right well I've only got this amount of time to complete something so you become more efficient we, we say to our team you know don't let the job <laughs> expand to yeah. fit the time you've got do the job yes. and yes. then there's other things you could do it's just, but also yeah. I think if you put things in your diary yeah if you think about the amount that you get done on the last day before you take a holiday you <laughs> shift, yeah, yeah, yeah. shift mountains of work because you're working so efficiently so if you could replicate that every single day yes that's so true through, through good planning mm. You could probably take a day a week off because you'd be so efficient. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'd, you'd get through things. But you, you've always been 
an advocate of automation and empowering other people. And as a result of, of COVID, did that did you kind of, you know, double up on that? Or was that something that you already had in place and your life just became easier to manage? Because obviously during COVID, it, it became more, um, I guess, the structure helped people, but also we couldn't physically get together. So having that automation and being able to manage remotely helped hugely. Was that was that something that you had way before COVID or did you bring that in rapidly to, to manage through COVID? That is such a wonderful question. I mean, anyone who's sort of seen me teach or heard me, they know automation and delegation. Mm. They're my two most favorite words. And the reason they are is they save on your most valuable asset, which is time. Yeah. So pre-COVID, it seems so long ago now, but I most certainly didn't automate or delegate as much as I do now. It was a needs-based change as, as I got busier. Um, everything I do now, the first question I ask is, does this need to be done? If yes, then does it need to be done by me? Um, if yes, then I'll, then I'll do it. And those tasks are very few now. If no, then it can, then can it be automated? So I tell my PM to automate it. A recent example of this is a bot we place on our website, which automatically directs our leads to the right area and answers their questions. Um, the biggest thing I learned is that as dentists, we like to control everything. We want to do everything ourselves. We want to micromanage everything. I learned that once you have a super team, the best thing to do is to let go and focus on just the dentistry because that's what we're good at. We're trained as, as, as we're brilliant clinicians, we're wonderful uh, uh, dentists. We are not business people. We are not managers. That's not who we are. We're not trained to do that. Unless you're passionate about it and you've been trained to do it, then you should do that. But what we do, we, we are, we're dentists. So I delegate everything to the team. I believe that a successful business is one that can function without you being there. Hmm. Um, how long are we going to work every hour we can? Stop, step back, focus on your business, make it more efficient, increasing margins, improving the number of transactions per patient, adjusting fees, improving conversion rates, and looking at your ROI on your marketing. These little points that we don't spend enough time to get, get right um, will be your marginal gains and will increase your hourly rate. And not by doing more hours, but making your mm. hours more efficient. Mm. That's, what, that's what the secret is. Mm. Plus, you and your loved ones will thank me for it because you'll be spending more time with them. Because you work to live, you don't live to work. And no, once absolutely. you get that mindset, that mindset change, uh, you'll be a much happier. Uh, and it's a great message. Yeah, definitely. Your profits do go up yeah. if you if you do it properly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And this kind of, <coughs> in many ways, fits with your your tagline, Jazz. You know, you you quite often when you post things, your hashtag all about everyone. Um, and I love that because mm -hmm. it's a really positive outlook on 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 life and business. And it, it made me think through your own life and career. Um, did people kind of bring the attitude to you in that have you had people that kind of lifted you up? Because I think all about everyone's a real uplifting phrase. I think it's about, come on, you know, everyone's in this together and, and we'll all be better together. Did you experience that yourself? Yes, I did. Uh, I mean, for one of the things which I touched on earlier, I mean, I've been through, I've made a lot of the mistakes, first of all, and I want to help everyone out there right now. So for me, it's like, okay, this has happened, but, but how can I get this to benefit you? So it's all about everyone for me. That's why I always use that hashtag. But I think there are very, a few very special 
people in this world that come into our lives to have an impact on it. Now, one of those people who had a huge, massive impact on my life, and sadly is no longer with us, was Anoop Mani. Um, he always helped me and was a person who always pushed me. It was him who got me started in teaching with a six-month smile. It was only later that I realized that I was uh, one of many who he, who he has inspired. Uh, he really was special. So I always try and follow what he taught me and put my own spin on it. Because uh, for a noob, it was never about him. It was always about everyone. And he would help every single person that, that touched him, came into his path. And uh, obviously what happened was very sad. And it was only at that time that we realized how many people that, is there, that he actually touched. Mm. Um, we've collaborated, you know, and the thing that he, he did, which was so special, was even if he came into someone's life for a, step, for, a, for a day, for an hour, he touched that person in such a special way. It was only because of him that I got into teaching. He pushed me. He got me into also and he would push me. I thought, look, I, I hated ortho at university. And now it's it's the best thing that I've ever done. And I'm so, so passionate about it. Mm. I wouldn't do any other dentistry apart from ortho. And fortunately, I can say that I'm in such a position now that I'm able to say that's all I do. And I'm, I'm able to do the, the dentistry that I want to do because of the messages that he's taught mm. me. He was a good lad. Yeah, and it's interesting what you say. I only met Anoop a, a, a few times. I've, I've met Neil a few times since. But he, he was, he was an impactful guy. And it's quite hard to, to pick out why some people have such mm. an impact um, and, and just light up a room so brightly. Um, but he was definitely one of them. He, he And I know lots of people that have shared very similar stories yeah. to the story that you shared, where they've said that Anoop was, was instrumental. I think he gave time, wasn't it? He yeah. gave of himself, and that sounds all a bit grand, really, mm. but you know what I mean? He, he gave his time and his energy and his enthusiasm to, to you know, even to us. I can always remember yeah. when, in the early days when we bought the business, he was, like, <laughs> always encouraging it. Yeah. So he's just a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that, that's what was so amazing about him. And if I can be 1% of what he was, mm. he was like, I'll be happy. That's, yeah. That'll be fantastic. That's yeah. right? uh, basically helping my colleagues out there. That'll make us and, and it kind of links on to another point around kind of relationships and how you develop and manage those relationships as well, doesn't it? Because you don't get to do all the things you do and, and the success you've had if you don't have that ability <laughs> to build and manage relationships. Is that something that you, and I think the answer to this is going to be yes, you make a conscious effort to work on? Because for my part, I would absolutely say it is because we've worked together on a number of things over the years. And, and my take is you, you value relationships highly. Do you think the the nature of how we develop relationships is changing at the moment? Because obviously the world is becoming much more digital. Um, do, do you think that's changing? And, and are you seeing any differences in your side of things in that area? It is, um, especially obviously in the past 18 months, uh, obviously during the period of lockdown, that, that's changed. We couldn't see each other. Mm. We couldn't meet each other. There was so much that happened um, over Zoom and I did lots of webinars in, over the lockdown. So I was still trying to communicate as, as much as possible with, with people and with my colleagues. And with, and with patients as well. Um, but it's, there's been so many advancements in that 18 months. And uh, the first uh, thing that really came out of it, out of the first lockdown, was uh, virtual consultations. Mm. Now, that was, that was a, a massive thing, which I think would have happened in dentistry at some point, but uh, it would have happened 
much later down the line. Mm. Um, I know um, that I wear um, glasses and contact lenses. I know Specsavers, they do daily virtual consultations. Doctors are doing them. So it's only a matter of time before dentists start doing them as well. And But because um, COVID came in, uh, in that first lockdown, virtual consultations just took off. And uh, I was one of the first to um, introduce them. And since then, we haven't looked back. And I still don't get it why every surgery across the country doesn't offer virtual consultations. I say this at every course. They're free. They require less than an hour to set up and offer your patients another option. And I don't understand why why dentists don't do that. You've got that opportunity to build that relationship with your patients. Mm. And uh, if you aren't offering virtual consultations, uh, your patients are having virtual consultations with your competitor. Mm. Uh, is there a danger? Think in for a second, and I it, say that at every point. Is there a and danger that... The reason I know this I'm, I'm seeing my competitor's patients. <laughs> I know, that's why I know mm, this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is there a danger that some people kind of, uh, through COVID, have a combination of kind of been zoomed out in that they've done so many like online video calls, they're craving something different? And, and the second thing is people have put it into the, the COVID category and now we're through COVID, you don't need to do you it anymore. You don't Zoom anymore. And they, yeah, and they don't appreciate what you've just said, which is actually from an efficiency point of view, from a, a, a minimal impact on patients, you know, they don't need to travel, they can do it in the comfort of their own home at a time that suits them. Is it that people haven't truly understood the business benefits of using virtual consultations and they said, oh no, that was what we did during COVID, but now COVID's moved on, we can get back to mm. normal and we don't need to do it anymore. Is that is that is that a risk? Because the way you've described it, and I agree, I think it sounds like something that should be yeah, you know, embodied in, in, in all practices. What should happen, I mean, if you go on a website, uh, if you look on my website, give the patient the option. Yeah. Do you want a virtual consultation? Click here. Do you want a face-to-face consultation? Click here. Let the patient decide. Give them the option. When a patient comes in with a gap, we give them an option. Do you want an implant? Do you want a braid? Do you want a denture? Or do you want to do nothing? Mm. So why not give the patient the same option? How do you want to see me? Do you want to see me face-to-face? No problem. This is the path you take. Do you want to see me virtually? No problem. This is the mm. path you take. Give the patient both of the options and let the patient decide. Some patients will want to see you. I mean, if it was me, if I was a patient, I'd, like, I'd prefer a virtual cons- consultation. Comfort of my own home at the time of my choosing. I don't have to go out and go to the dentist. That's what mm. I would like. I know there's lots of patients out there that would love a face-to-face consultation. So give the patient that choice. Why? But if you're why? only... Why, why, why do you think so why do you think practices um, are reluctant to give that choice what, why you so the way you describe it I don't know you do it what, what, why do you think so many practices are reluctant to give patients that that, that choice um, it's I think it's a little bit more of it's a fear of the unknown and they're not sure about it and they don't they don't know how to and I, I always teach this on all of my courses. It's, it's the easiest thing. It takes less than an hour to set up. Mm. It's virtually free to set up. Everyone knows how to use Zoom. Uh, you can use an, an online calendar, something like Calendly. It's, it couldn't be easier to set up. And if you want to, you can use get the patient to send you photos beforehand, which is phenomenal. You get to see the patient's photos beforehand. You can show them a before and after on a virtual mm. consultation. Here's a case with patients similar to yours. It's a lot of fun. It really is mm. a lot of fun. I really, I mean, I used to do them. I don't do them anymore my TCO does them uh, but it's so, it's a lot of fun my TCO loves to do them 
you know, wow, this is one of the reasons I come to work. I get mm-hmm. to talk to patients. I'm absolutely loving it. She's getting much better success rates than I am. And I'm thinking, this is great. This is why I love stepping back. I love training my team mm-hmm. to do things because they're way better, better at it than I am. Yeah. So let them do it. Let it's them about change, it. isn't it? I suppose people hate change. Yeah. And it is, it's a change and some people adopt and some people don't change. Yeah, I wonder if there's a, there's a, there's a correlation between the success of practices during lockdown and in the early days when, when patients were hesitant about getting into dental practice, how those practices mm. have recovered and how they're now thriving against practices that have quickly stepped back into their traditional ways mm. of, well, you know, you can come to the practice mm. as opposed to offering alternatives. Yeah, age and gender would be interesting as well, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Is there a certain demographic that says we adopt change or we mm. don't adopt professor and i suppose also in your world jazz there's been supporting technology as well isn't there with um smile mate dental monitoring mm. and other technology that sits around the virtual mm. consultation that that helps you too it, it's mental it really is i'm seeing invisalign patients now i've got a patient in aberdeen now Imagine how many dentists there are between Slough and Aberdeen. Mm. Now, with things like dental monitoring, they don't need to come and see me regularly. Mm. They, they came, they had to come and see me once, we did this scan, but the number of visits and the frequency of visits reduces. So you can so you can target a larger area. So you can target a much bigger area. Now, Aberdeen is very far away from Slough. <laughs> But we did have research and we do a lot of, uh, we do do a lot of marketing, but we target to a a much larger radius now because we can do, because those patients, because of dental monitoring, because of virtual consults, because of SmileMate, we can target those areas. And it just makes life for me so much easier. It really does. Mm. Um, Because you don't have to see the patients as frequently. And again, you're giving the patient the option. Mm. If they want to come and see me, they can. If they don't want to, We've got another option for them. Mm. But when you give the patient the choice, you can't lose. How's of interest, mm. Jazz, of, of uh, the 100 patients that approach you and you give them the choice of visit the practice or meet me on a virtual consultation or your TCL on a, on a virtual consultation, what's the split roughly? 50-50. Always. Yeah. Oh, and I get this question often. <laughs> and with dental monitoring, it's slightly, I'd say it's 25, 75 patients right. would rather, once the treatment starts, they'd rather come and see the dentist regularly. Uh, but then there are patients that are busy with work, they would do shift patterns or they live too far away. Mm. And they, they, they love the scan box of dental monitoring that works really mm. well for them. But the key thing is we're giving them the option that they've got, they've got both choices. And uh, even mid-treatment, the patient can have a virtual consult with us anytime they want. It's not going to cost them any extra. So they've got that option as mm. well. It's not just at the beginning you have to have a virtual consult. No, you can't. That's it. You, then you have to come in and see me. The more options you give your patients, the more um, flexibility you have, the more likelihood they're going to go ahead with you. And patients are really doing their research now. Compared to five years ago, where they're just going to go to their dentist and get, get go ahead with mm. the treatment, patients are shopping around. They're asking, oh, do you do the, do you offer this? Do you offer X, Y, Z? And if one of those answers is no, they're going to go down the road. Mm. So and it's, ne- and it's, never been, it's never been easier to do online research. It's never been easier to find alternative mm-hmm. providers. You know, we're in a world where information is available. Information has no value anymore. You can just find whatever you want on the internet. It's mm-hmm. when you go to that second level and you say, well, mm-hmm. what does that now look like by way of a service? How is it going to be delivered? You know, what's, That's that, right. what's, the, experience, right. what's the experience going to be like? And doing that, what you just said there, is what I 
I'm, I, I enjoy so much. So more than the dentistry, so I'm working on the business as opposed to in the business. So looking at that patient journey, looking at the systems and the practice, that is what I really love. And just improving the efficiency of the business, mm. that, that really drives me. I absolutely love doing that. Mm. Because it's not, it's not a sort of a, a book approach where you can just read something and do it. It's something that you're designing yourself. And it's amazing to do that. It's an amazing feeling. It's lovely to hear as well, because lots of the people that, that we talk to in dentistry, um, they find this side of, of owning and running a business mm. so incredibly oh. challenging. And, and in many cases, it actually creates burnout you know, lots of principals um, only get through only a practice for about 10 to 12 years and then they just suffer fatigue <laughs> where the whole burden of owning and running a business just wears them out they still enjoy the clinical <coughs> they still enjoy, enjoy seeing patients and, and, and delivering dentistry mm. but it's everything else so it's really refreshing to speak to somebody who is so energized oh, and excited about the business oh, side I, so excited i love it i could do this for another 50 years easily mm. it's just crazy but there is so much to automate and delegate out there now you're mm. doing something more than once the system can be made to automate that's why i believe it's my job to find that system and all the way down to now where i am is that now now i've got a new patient coordinator i've got a treatment coordinator i only see the patients now who are willing to go ahead with invisalign so they've been scanned photographed finance approved deposit taken I really don't think the dentist should be involved in any of that side of things. That's not what we've been trained to do. Mm. Uh, we weren't at dental school for that. So why are we involved now? There, there are people out there that can do it better than us. Mm. I mean, I can actually ladder schools. I can teach ethical sales and communication. So I guess I can teach my, my, my team to do that. But they are so much better than, than I am. And, and as mentioned before, it saves on our most valuable asset, which is time. That's but, what we but, but I think, Jazz, I think you, you probably don't give yourself enough credit that you're obviously very comfortable with delegating. Um, mm. Lots of people that, that own and run their, their own business are very uncomfortable with delegating. They don't know kind of how to do it, where to start. Mm. Um, they, they don't delegate, they abdicate. The person they've given the job to hasn't been fully trained, so it goes badly. So then they take the, the role back. Where you've yeah. obviously got a system where you've got great people around you, they're well trained people. So when you dedicate within a safe environment, you always get good results. And I think lots of people just don't have that that system built, which is why they end up holding on to them the things themselves. Mm, that's that's a lot to do with recruitment and getting the right team mm. on board. Uh, mm. it, takes years to get the right team touch what i've yeah. got a wonderful team right? absolutely fantastic i could go on holiday for six months and i know i don't even have to worry about the practice they, they, they can manage it themselves and that's the key thing a successful business is one that can function without you being there you shouldn't have to be there and micromanage every little detail because this you won't be able to do that forever like you said you're going to get burnout you want to step back and see how i can make the business more efficient how I can improve the systems, how I can improve the patient journey. That's that's when the fun starts. That's mm. when it gets really interesting. That's when you start enjoying what you're doing. Mm. And if you're not enjoying what you're doing, don't do it. Yeah. Change and do something that you enjoy, that drives you, that you're passionate mm. about, that you jump out of bed in the morning and you want to get go to work. I, I never call it work. I, I, I'm so passionate about it. I, I like to jump out of bed and I can't wait to, I can't wait to get into the practice. It, it, and the it's reality is, within your practice, there may be a job that, that you're doing and, you know, you being the general you, not you specifically, but somebody that you don't enjoy, but somebody in the practice might want to do mm. and would take real joy from it. 
So why not work out the best person to do it? Because you might be able to pull back on some of your own tasks, give them to somebody else in the business who loves doing, I don't know, credit, credit control, for example. It has the right skill set. Oh, yeah. You might have somebody who actually come, bounces into work every day because they love doing credit control. Right. Well, you might go like, that's a horrible job. Exactly. And I, I learned this because scanning, for example, is a great, it's a fantastic example. I, I mean, I teach scanning to dentists and I, I don't like scanning because it's the same thing again and again. My nurse absolutely loves, she could scan. When we have open days, she scans all day long and she loves it. She loves scanning. I'm thinking, this is brilliant. This is this is the kind of person you want. And you can get to scan all week long. You can have seven open days. Be, that's what I want to do. I love it. Hmm. And that's, so why am I doing something which I don't enjoy? So we find in each of our teams the jobs that they love to do. Yeah. So everyone loves coming into the practice because we don't really want to call it work. It's coming into the practice and they love what they do. Mm-hmm. And that's how the, how, how the business should be. Mm-hmm. And you your know, passion and clearly you have- spills over because mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've sat in on your, your courses and when you see the delegates there, they clearly get it. They get what you're about. They get your energy. They get your drive. They get your passion. And I'm sure they'll go back to their practices and implement a bunch of the stuff you talk about and see results pretty much overnight. Yeah, and I and I speak to the delegates after the courses and I stay in touch with them. And I always say to them, contact me as much as you want. That's exactly what I'm here for. I'm not just here for the one day where I'll hold you and I'll teach you and they'll say, I've gone. I'm here for the rest of your life. You know, talk to me, ask me questions. It's a problem come to me. I, I guarantee you I've had that question asked, asked for me before and I've got an answer for it. And it's what you said was absolutely right where the that passion is seen amongst the delegates, but it's also seen with the patients as well. Mm. The patients see that this guy is so, he's more excited than me to get this, <laughs> this, this treatment done. That's who I want to go ahead with. Mm. That, and that makes a massive difference because the dentist needs to be excited. It needs to be passionate. Mm. And it should, every case should be like, your, you know, your first case. I'm excited mm. about this. I can't wait to see this, how this pans out. And that excitement needs to be there because for the patient, it is their first time. So you need to be excited yeah. as well. And you must always remember that. Yeah, and I think that's validated by a patient travelling from Aberdeen to see you in Slack. <coughs> Isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Mm. I couldn't believe it. And I've, I've had I've had one from Paris as well, which is and it's and it's nice. It's nice to see that patients are traveling further. That means people are getting, becoming more aware of me. And the best form of marketing is word of mouth. So people yeah. are telling mm-hmm. the patients are telling other people, and it's you can't you can't beat that. And the ironic thing is, word of mouth is free. It doesn't cost you anything. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. You provide a good service. You provide an amazing patient journey. Your patients are going to talk about you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's 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 exactly what you want, and you cannot beat that marketing. Mm. Uh, it'll be Google, it'll be the socials, it'll be anything hand, hands down. Word of mouth marketing. Yeah. No, brilliant. brilliant. Jazz, it's been a, it's been a wonderful chat. I knew oh, I knew you, I, I knew you were going to be a great guest. You oh. you're so generous with your time and you've got great you've got great stories. It's been it's been wonderful. We we always wrap up. We always ask um our, our guests just two questions at the end. Um just to just to get an insight into kind of their their thoughts on things. And the first one is if you could be the fly on a wall in a situation, where would you like to be hanging off a wall and watching a situation? I thought about this one and I thought I'd say something, um, something current. <laughs> um, uh, you, I think you know this about me, but I'm a massive, massive Liverpool fan. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, after, the, after the weekend, 
Everything's results. And I, I absolutely hate United. <laughs> uh, absolutely hate them. I had a fantastic result this weekend. But I would love to be a fly on the wall. <laughs> Are you two United fans? Go on. Okay, Go I'm going to turn that off. That's somebody I know ringing you, saying, Jazz, hang up now. <laughs> I, know, I, you know, I, have, I have my phone on silent as well. Yeah. But what I would love to do, I'd love to be a, a fly on the wall in the Man United dressing room after the game with the manager, Oli. Uh, what is he saying to the team? I, that would be worth listening to. I would love that. That would be fantastic. Yeah, I imagine it was unpleasant. I imagine most of it wasn't available for broadcast, <laughs> to be honest. Um, yes, no, absolutely. I want to turn this on. But that, what would, how did you Jürgen feel on the phone? <laughs> Sorry, Jürgen, I'll call you back. <laughs> how did you feel that? I've got to ask you now. <laughs> oh, it, it's funny. I watched the um, the Atalanta game um, in midweek. And mm. at the end of the game, they were going around to the pundits and Paul Scholes <laughs> said, uh, yeah. this was dreadful. She said, like, it's, it's awful. This is dreadful and, and it's really bad. And Jake Humphrey was like, but you won. But you won. What's the problem? He said, no. He said, that first half was appalling. He said, if we played like that at the weekend against Liverpool, he said, by half time, the game will be over. And he was absolutely spot on. He didn't say it quite as enthusiastically no. or as no. interesting as you. He said, he said you. in, in, in a very, very Right, yeah. uh, to be honest, um, they're, they're, yeah, you you were outstanding, and I think it shows the difference at the very upper level. Well, the upper levels in football, but the upper levels in lots of things. The difference between the best and everybody else. Yeah. Quite often, the gap is enormous. Yeah. Now, I think uh, I think you know they're going to come back. They're going to come back. They're going to come back stronger. They're, they're always been a, a great team that bounce back, and I think they're going to do that. But I hope so. I hope so. But I think it's going to be a brilliant season. I'm really looking forward to City against United. That's going to be a good game. Yeah, there's some good games coming up. There's some good games coming up. It's going to be a wonderful season. It's going to be fantastic. So thank you for for sharing with me that you'd sit in the room watching Oli Oli Solskjaer, (laughs) absolutely roasting United players. So moving on to our second question. Brilliant. Quickly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, don't worry. We can edit all this out. Yeah, we're just saying, oh, Justin will answer that question. (laughs) And if you could, if you could meet someone, Jazz, who would you like to to meet? Um, That's a really good question as well. I, I'd really like that question, and I always, I do always answer it with um, this person, and I think it would be Mahatma Gandhi. Oh, okay. uh, and that passion uh, of just helping and just giving. Uh, I, what, what was his inspiration? What was his drive? Where did that fire come from? I would love to have that conversation. That would be uh, phenomenal for me. Mm. So. Yeah. Oh no, I, I agree. That that would be incredible. It's a great one to show, isn't it? That you can achieve many things without violence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it, it's such a simple um, living yeah. and, and high thinking. And where did that come? Where did that drive that that, mm. passion, that fire? Where did that Where did that come from? You know, that's what I would, I would like to ask. That would be yeah. amazing. Fabulous. Lovely. Cheers, Jazz. I, we, we appreciate your time this afternoon. We know you're busy and we know yeah, you've got a busy you. evening coming up. So we'll, uh, we'll let you get away. Um, absolutely fabulous as ever. Uh, and hopefully we're going um, to catch up soon. Yeah, we'll see you, see you in person at something, no doubt. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Always fun meeting both of you and speaking with both of you. I always, always speak very highly of you. You, you, you guys are really amazing. Absolutely fantastic. And, and Andy, you especially, I see you everywhere now on the socials. No, you're, boy, you're tell me around. about it. Oh, don't worry. I've, I've got doppelgangers everywhere. They're all out there for me. It's fine. <laughs> 
it's fantastic. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having no, me. No, brilliant, Cheers, Jazz. Thanks very much. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye-bye. That was great, wasn't it? Yeah, he's such a nice guy. He's such a nice guy. It's passion, isn't it? When you speak to somebody, it doesn't matter what they do, where they've got true passion Mm. and interest in what they're doing, it's contagious, isn't it? I love the fact that he's he's evolved in this, that that his practice of of what every manager should do and every business Mm. actually make people better than you because then you sort of manage yourself out of the business. He's, he's making himself redundant. He, he's, he's doing he? it. Yeah, I mean, it's task, quite interesting, task isn't it? Task by task, yeah. When, when I, I think, you know, we we were sat in on a webinar during lockdown and he was doing that thing about how he was doing the scans mm. and stuff. And then he's obviously evolved in that relatively short that he's not doing the scans. Yeah. And, and you know, to have someone come from Aberdeen. Yeah. I mean, how many dentists are there mm. between Aberdeen? And slap. And I think what makes him um, uh, unusual in relation to many dentists is he actually enjoys business. Yeah. You know, lots of dentists we yeah. talk to don't particularly enjoy business. They kind of put up with it because they have to because they own a practice. It's a byproduct. Yeah. Almost, whereas yeah. Jazz has got that l- lovely balance. I think he said himself kind of yeah, mm. a, a foot in each boat. In mm. that there's the dental side, mm. but also there's the business side as well. And, and when you get that balance. It, it's obviously working really well for him yeah no it's brilliant it was a great, a great yeah. guest actually well, really, thank really you for good. listening to this episode of Dentology where we discuss the business of dentistry if you like what you heard please do subscribe where you found this episode that would be amazing and also follow us on Instagram <laughs>